This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley. Independent news commentary with a California perspective, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 15, Episode 6, Power to Change Lives, How to Leverage Life's Obstacles to Reach Financial Success. Talking with author Helen Chong. Our guest today is Helen Chong, a successful real estate entrepreneur whose memoir is an upbeat inspiration to all who read it. In addition to sharing her journey as an immigrant from Hong Kong via Indonesia, she also shows us how you can turn adversity to your advantage and even profit from it. Hi, Helen, and welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Helen, let's launch right into the book. In Chapter 8, you talk about crisis meets opportunity. And of course, the Chinese characters for crisis are represent two words, right? And yeah. one is problem and the other is opportunity. So as I read through your memoir, it seems as though that's almost your philosophy of life, that as you meet a challenge, as you confront a, a problem, you seem to look for the opportunity and to work that problem to your advantage. Am I right? Absolutely. I think because of my past experiences, I truly believe that everything bad happens for a good reason. And the thing is, when we are going through these obstacles during the time, you just don't see that the kind of opportunities might be lying ahead because of what you're going through right now. And one thing, you know, right uh, these days, everybody's been hearing, oh my gosh, the recession is coming. And then there's so much fear in the consumer market. I feel like the news just keep fueling people with these kind of negative news. But in my mind, I'm seeing opportunities. When recession comes, there's always opportunities. And I feel, uh, so I would definitely highly recommend anyone, if you're going through some kind of obstacles in life right now, don't just think about what the situation is so bad right now and my life sucks right now, (laughs) but think about what this can bring in the future. It doesn't have to be financial rewards. It could be an experience where you get to share with the world. Um, For me, in my situation, I feel like I'm able to use my crisis back then, and now I can put it into into words, into a book, and allow me to share my stories with, not just with the public, but really biggest thing is like sharing it with my kids and let them use it as life lessons. Well, you know, as I read your book and reading of your early days in Hong Kong with your parents, you had an idyllic life with your sister and your mother and father. They, you had a lovely apartment in Hong Kong. And there's one theme throughout this book when you're a little girl, as you're growing up into an adolescent, when you come to Los Angeles and now here in San Jose with your, you and your husband and your lovely family, one theme throughout seems to be the importance of home to you. Uh, that really came across very strongly, particularly in Hong Kong, when you had to leave that home. And tell us a little bit about that, because if home is so important to you, in a sense, it kind of explains why you got into the real estate business in the first place. 
Yeah. Yes. And that's also another example, right? How um, crisis becomes opportunity. Well, like you said, and when I was younger, me and my sister, we had this beautiful childhood and um, home to me is really not just a physical structure. We are we are realtors and real estate home is a physical structure. That's a product that we are selling. However, the, that word home to so many people is more than just that. When we are selling a home, uh, a house, it is selling a, we are selling basically the memory where they're going to build their memories. And that's what I had when I was younger. And until now, even way into my adulthood, I'm in my mid forties, I would still sometimes dream about my home <laughs> when I was a little girl. Uh-huh. Yeah, I and it feels so real because that's my happy times when I was there, remembering every single night we go home and eat dinner together with my parents, and um, you know there was a lot of fights to me and my sister, but no matter what, it's a place where you feel peace, you feel like it's it provides you with security. So that's something means so much to me. Now. The only thing is, like, we lost that home because yes. of financial struggle. My parents went into bankruptcy and we lost the home. And since then, we had moved to so many different houses or apartments, but that never felt like homes. I never dreamed about any of the these other places that I lived in afterwards because th- that didn't give me that sense of security, sense of peace that I felt in a home. So um, during that, these adolescent stage, all the way until I came here to the United States, I lived in so many places. And I all I could think about was that I just want to have a home again. And I think that desire to have a home allowed me to be a lot more careful when choosing a partner, which is my husband. Yes. And then until we have our own kids and choosing that house that will become our home. And then that dream about giving my kids that home and the memories. And hopefully when they grow up into adults, they would dream about this home again, thinking about, oh, how happy that feeling of happiness, that feeling of peace for them as well. Um, And that translates into and it's also a coincidence how now how I ended up in the real estate, and whenever I give that keys to this new home buyers, I all I can think about is like this is gonna be the memories that you guys are gonna build in this house, and I love it. Let's turn back the clock, and as you mentioned, your parents went through some difficult economic times. They had to move back to Indonesia to look for work. They left you and your sister in Hong Kong. You continued your education, but then you followed your parents onto Indonesia. You lived mm-hmm. there for a while, but then your your big breakthrough was when you emigrated to the United States and you came mm-hmm. to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You went to UCLA, and when you graduated from UCLA. I guess, is that when your career in real estate began? Well, as a matter of fact, when I graduated from UCLA, because I was a foreign student, I was looking for a 
company who who was willing to sponsor me with a work visa and so that I could stay I could stay in this country without that work visa I would have to go back to Asia um, and look for a job there so real estate was not an option because real estate is basically self-employed and you don't get sponsorship um, and I actually went into um, pension consulting and I became an analyst a very prestigious title that I had and they were willing to sponsor me. We had a beautiful office over there. Uh, but uh, when I started to, I was working for four, four and a half years, learned a lot about stock market and how to analyze portfolios. But I realized, you know what, stock market, when you put money into someone's hands, you are basically hoping these companies will do the right thing and and then your money will grow alongside with them, but you have no, absolutely no control. So it was actually years after I graduated from UCLA and I started looking for an opportunity to find something that can provide financial security. I, that's another thing, a second piece of, uh, like a second dream that I had besides finding a home is like financial security. So I would never lose my home in the future. And I started um, studying different kind of investment vehicle and I found that real estate investment is so much more secure compared to stock market. I have more control over it and so pretty much about five years after I graduated then that's when I went into you uh, went into real estate. So when you first went into real estate you went into residential real estate is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, yes. and again, the, the theme of the house, the home, the four walls, the roof, did that resonate with you? Was that part of the pull towards real estate, notwithstanding the, the investment piece of it that you just explained and the steady income and the security of a real estate investment? But again, the, the fact that you seem to always gravitate back to home. You know, it's funny. You just never know what the road is going to take you initially. Now that I look back, yes. But at the time, I my my focus was finding that right investment where I have control over, I have more control over, is more secured investment, da 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 da, da right? And so I went into real estate thinking about I want to learn about real estate investments. But once I started, um, I went into mortgage mortgage industry at first because I was good with numbers. I am good with an analysis. Then I started doing real estate investments, and then I started helping some friends to find their homes. And that's when I realized when I'm giving them the keys to their home, all of a sudden I would get goosebumps. I would get teary <laughs> eyes and I'm just so happy and excited and kept thinking I would give them the keys and every single person I would tell them, especially if they have kids, I'm like this is going to be their memories from here on out. You guys are building memories in this home. And that feeling is so unexplainable. It's so, it makes me so happy. And, and you feel so honored to be part of that journey, helping that family to find a home where they feel secured, peace. And also there, I, I imagine those photo books with pictures of the, of their, them spending time inside this house. Then after you'd spent several years as a residential real estate broker, then you moved on and 
went over to commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that and tell us about that transition because while they're both real estate, they're very different kinds of real estate that require different kinds of skills. So tell us about the transition that you made there and the challenges that you faced. Oh, absolutely. So um, going from residential to commercial specifically and multifamily, so that kind of goes back to I mentioned earlier that I was doing real estate investments and um, but at the time I was learning. So I learned a lot of different type of real estate investments from rehabbing properties and flipping a home, doing more smaller single family rentals and then do trustee note investing, learn about tax sale, et cetera, et cetera, until I learned about multifamily investing. And that took that control of your investment to another level. And it just blew my mind away how how you have so much more, um, te- you can use so much more techniques, strategies to raise value of a property because of the income approach valuation method. And so I fell in love with it. I started investing in multifamily. So uh, naturally, of course, I'm going to start helping my clients as well to do multifamily investing. But when I first started, especially at the time, I also just moved up here from LA to San Jose and I would meet other commercial real estate brokers. And I get these comments all the time like, who are you? Uh-huh. How long have you been doing this? Oh, did you get this client because of your look? <laughs> I just could not believe what I hear. It's like, wow, that is so offensive. And um, I, I knew I, I knew what I was doing, but, of course. but probably other people just didn't, didn't, find that I fit into that mold, right? A commercial real estate professional. So I decided that, you know what, for me, if I want to gain the respect from other people, I better earn their respect by doing, by educating myself more. I'm really big about post-license education. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter residential or commercial because getting a real estate license is way too easy. And this is why everybody's cousins is it's a real estate license <laughs> licensee, right? So I I've been taking so many different classes and I was like, okay, now I need to find a destination that geared towards um, commercial real estate. And I found a destination it's called CCIM. It stands for Certified Commercial Investment Member. And it took me four years and two babies along the way <laughs> <laughs> to complete this destination. But, you know, that is truly the best decision ever because, one, this destination is not easy to get. You have to go through a long process of classes and you have to take exams. You have to pass it. Then you also have to have a portfolio that proven you have done these kind of analysis. Mm -hmm. And then you take a um, comprehensive exam that's six hours. Mm. So um, it's it's definitely a very long process, and that everyone who passes this exam, they go out and party that night because he's just <laughs> so happy afterwards. And um, after I earned that destination, I definitely have seen a huge impact to my commercial real estate career in terms of like getting a lot more recognition and respect from my peers. Now, now I was I was going to say. I tend to think of commercial real estate as being a very male-dominated profession. I, mm. 
is was that a challenge for you? Is that something that you that you noticed? And if so, was it uh, was it a, a a mountain to overcome or a hill to overcome? Oh yes, absolutely, no doubt about that. And um, as I mentioned, that I was uh, trying to get the CCIM destination. And then another thing I wanted to do is to be involved with the CCIM community. So I found a luncheon meeting to attend to and then the first time i walked in there it was in a country club beautiful venue but as soon as i walked in i just felt like i didn't fit in Uh Uh, one is that i didn't really see any female in there um and the room full of men mostly you know men commercial real estate professionals sure and i also didn't really see a lot of asian faces Uh and Nobody really talked to me. I was also shy. I'm not one of those that would just walk up to people and talk. But, you know, I decided that if I want to learn, if I want to be be respected, I need to just keep coming back. So every month, month after month, I just kept going back to the meeting. And sooner or later, people started seeing that, oh, she's here. I recognize her face. And I started to get more and more people talking to me and eventually was invited to be part of their board and do a little bit more volunteering for the organizations. And eventually in 2020 and 2021, I became their president of the chapter. And so now I'm very much involved with CSIM. And that's one thing is I I used to probably say that, yeah, being a female it's really hard to break into commercial real estate industry and there's no doubt about it. But at the same time, if that first time when I got there, if I felt like I didn't fit in and I decided that, you know what, I better just go to another group that has more female maybe, or I go to another group where people look more like me with the same hair color, same, <laughs> same skin tone, then I would feel more fit in. Then I would have never given the opportunity for these people to accept me. Mm-hmm. Now I, you now you said that you said that when you walked in that country club ballroom, that you looked around and you didn't see many faces that looked like you. Did race play a factor in your professional advancement in the industry? Well, yes and no. So I I definitely think that being um, because I'm an immigrant, I can speak. Mandarin and Cantonese fluently, and so that allowed me to have different type of uh, clientele. Right, I am able to ca- uh, uh, cater to my Chinese clients as well. However, being also being Chinese, sometimes give me the disadvantages is that because Chinese realtors sometimes have this reputation of maybe not doing things the right way or maybe Mm. doing things not as a professional way that we were automatically eliminated Mm. and not by other races it's actually by our own people really so (laughs) so i the thing is to me that is very common and i think this is just it just happens in life no matter where you go even when when I was living in Asia, it happens. It doesn't matter if it's like I'm Chinese or what. It just everybody has some kind of prejudice against some people. To me, it doesn't bother me because I just feel like there's plenty of business out, out there anyways. If this one doesn't work out, I just go to the other one. I there, there are plenty of business out there and there are plenty of other people who are willing to accept me. 
Now, as I talk to young female professionals like yourself, and you've been very successful both as a commercial real estate broker and as a real estate investor, but of course, you're also the proud mother of three beautiful children, you and your husband. And I hear young women talk about work-life balance and how work-life balance is so important. On the other hand, I hear other young women say there's no such thing. Where do you stand on that critical issue of work-life balance and you and your husband both? I guess if your husband were here, I'd pose the question to him too. (laughs) Absolutely. And I actually talk about this a lot with people because I find it funny when people say work-life balance when there's absolutely no balance (laughs) i mean if you think about how does a balance work a balance means you need to sacrifice something in order to you know in order to make the other side come back up so there's no way you can put just as much effort just as much focus into both family and work Mm -hmm. but i think it's about your children, how do they see you? And everybody will have to sacrifice somewhat during this process. And I, to me, my children, I feel like they are very proud of the fact that mm-hmm. I do I do well at work. But they also love, of course, they love to have their moms with them all the time. So I made sure that every single night we get to have dinner together. At night, we get to, you know, talk and have fun together. And then Um, after they go to sleep, I would go back to work. So they see that I really do take them. I do spend time with them. But at the same time, I do take my work very, very seriously as well. Because I think the pride, the being so proud that their mom is successful means a lot to me. And not just our kids, even my husband, he understand that because his wife, which is me, yes. I'm not a full-time mom, so he has to help out as well at home. So a lot of times our kids would see that, oh, dad does um, some house chores as well. If I'm busy, then dad might have to be the one that picking up food for dinner. Maybe he doesn't cook, but at least he would pick up food for dinner. Right? <laughs> uh, and same thing, if my husband's busy and I'll step up, I think it's all about willing to sacrifice for each other's happiness and success. And, you know, your point is very well taken. Studies have been done that children of working moms do just as well as children of stay-at-home moms. And in fact, they have a little bit of an advantage because they also get the, the pride of seeing their moms going out to work as their dads go out to work and having the fulfillment of a professional career outside of the home. So kids actually benefit from that. Studies have shown that. Absolutely. And I, I really, I'm not surprised by that as well, just because I also make sure that my children know dad and mom, both of us are quite equal at home. There's no, oh, dad is the leader of the house and mom is the, is not the leader of the house. We're both just as important and we both help each other out. And honestly, my husband and I, I mean, of course there's no like absolutely fairness, right? Like he did 50% of the work and I do 50% of the work. Sometimes could be 80, 20, and sometimes could be the other way around. But at least we understand that we are here to support each other in 
running a household is like running any business. You have to work together as a team. There's no one person that can run the household by himself or herself. It's just impossible. It's very, very difficult to run a household. <laughs> now, Helen, as we as we come into the last few minutes of the podcast, you did talk about the recession or the possibility of recession coming down mm-hmm. the road. Any tips for our listeners out there who might be considering buying a home or an investment property, what is your suggestion to them in light of the fact that interest rates are going up? Mm-hmm. We may be faced with a recession. What would you recommend to them? Sit tight, wait for the recession to blow over, or plunge in and take advantage of the opportunities that a recession might present? I I really think that this time, that this recession probably not going to last for more than six months or so. And as a matter of fact, I just did my monthly Bay Area housing market town hall webinar yesterday. And um, I said exactly that. I do think that if somebody is looking for a home to live in, a home, again, is something for your own family to live in long term, right now is a great time. You get to negotiate with sellers Mm -hmm. and you the interest rate is not coming down it's going to keep going up if you wait and wait you're just going to have to pay higher interest rate and um and also by the time you say like oh i feel confident to go back into the market it might be too late by then so don't miss this boat for sure and even i myself is going to be looking to purchase because i think this is I've been waiting since 2012 when our last recession was over. I was like, oh, when is when are we going to have this opportunity again? And I do really believe that this time is going to be our opportunity. And, and, and as an investor, just know that you, you get to negotiate a lot harder now. So don't be afraid to negotiate. And as long as the number works, just jump in, I, especially for multifamily. The rental market is actually doing really well. If you're able to get in, the um, is this is a tremendous opportunity right now. Well, that brings our conversation full <laughs> circle and brings us back to the very beginning point that we made that the word crisis in Chinese mm-hmm. is composed of two words, danger and opportunity. And the recession, in a sense, is a crisis presenting both dangers and opportunities. And I think you've articulated them very well, Helen. So once again, Helen, thank you so much for joining us today. Your book is an inspiration. I enjoyed it. I hope that my listeners get to enjoy it. And I know that they're going to enjoy this conversation that we've had. And how can my listeners follow up with you if they wish to? Absolutely. I mean, I um, they feel free to check out the book on uh, www.powertochangelives.com or you can search me through on Facebook or LinkedIn and just search by Halen Group, which is my company name, H-A-Y-L-E-N-G-R-O-U-P. And uh, I'm excited to connect with, with um, your listeners. Well, Helen, once again, thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you. And especially as and when this recession does come along, we may be talking about more real estate opportunities down the road. I love that. Okay. And for my listeners, as we celebrate our second anniversary, thank you for your ongoing support. The San Francisco experience is now carried on 19 platforms, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, among others, 
with listeners in over 50 countries and all 50 states. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, coming to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.